Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Hello again, New York Giants fans, and welcome to the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of your SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View. As you know, the calendar has turned to February, and that means that we are deeper into the NFL draft season. What are the Giants going to do with the fourth overall pick? How will they fill their needs for pass rusher, offensive lineman, linebacker, wide receiver, cornerback, or or defensive back help? These are the questions that we're going to spend the next several weeks pondering. And, you know, of course, draft discussion is a big part of that. Free agency comes first, but draft discussion is a major part of... uh, of what we'll spend the next few weeks on, of course. Over at the Chris and Joe show, Chris Flum and Joe DeLeon do a great job of of getting you guys ready for the draft. They've already been breaking down some positions, talking about players, you know, helping you guys get to know the names that, that you'll need to know to be ready for the draft when it comes up in April. But, you know, I can't let them have all of the fun. Here at the at the Valentine's Views podcast, we've got to talk about the draft a little bit. And here to help me do that today, I'm going to bring in a, a good friend of, of mine, a guy that I've talked to several times over the years about the Giants and the NFL draft, that would be Scott Wright of Draft Countdown, one of my one of my favorite draft analysts, guy who is historically pretty accurate, has a pretty good uh, a pretty good feel for the New York Giants and, and has historically been pretty accurate with his uh, with his selections both in a round 1 mock draft and with the uh, the top 100 players. So, without any further ado, Let's get right to an interview that I pre-recorded with Scott. Hope you enjoy it. Hope you learn a few things from it. All right, Giants fans, it's draft season, and we are going to talk now to one of my favorite draft analysts, which would be Scott Wright of Draft Countdown. Scott, how you doing uh, as we record this? Uh, as we record this show, and as we really begin the the countdown to the 2020 draft. I'm doing excellent. I'm excited. It's officially my time of the year. Uh, we've got the the college season behind us. We got the pro season behind us, and and now it's time for everyone to turn their attention to the draft. And uh, we've already got it uh, the first leg underway with the All Star games in the books, and we got the combine, the workouts coming up. So it's a fun time of year. Oh, most definitely, most definitely. And, and of course, you know, for teams like the Giants that 
that didn't have any playoffs that uh, obviously, you know, it seems like the off season has been going on forever already. So the draft excitement will, will build for the next couple months now. Yeah, no question about it. And uh, it, there's going to be a constant change in the landscape, uh, especially with free agency coming up. It's really going to change things. And up until now with the draft, when trying to match players with teams and trying to figure out what teams are going to do, it's it's been educated guesses trying to, you know, put some pieces together. But we're finally going to get some some real information as teams start to zero in on specific plans, positions, and, and specific players that they like. So, uh, it's not so much projection anymore. It's going to be actual uh, facts. All right, so let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the Giants. And I know that you recently did your first mock draft, and in that mock draft, which I don't have in front of me, I know that uh, that you selected uh, Georgia offensive tackle Andrew Thomas for the Giants at number four. Uh, just tell us a little bit about why you did that. Yeah, and, and basically it's best available offensive tackle that they like there, whether it's Thomas, could very easily go with Tristan Wirfs from Iowa, Jedrick Wills from Alabama, and, and some people even like Makai Becton from Louisville. But best available offensive lineman I, I think makes the most sense for the Giants. Uh, you have so much invested in in Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones, it only makes sense to bring in somebody to – to open up running lanes for Barkley and, and to protect Jones. So I, I think that clearly makes the most sense for them uh, there. And, and you know, they could move down a little bit and probably get one of those blockers a little later in the top 10 if somebody wants to come up for a quarterback, which I think is going to be a possibility for both the Giants at four and the Lions at three. I think there could be a market for those picks. And um, if you're the Giants, I, I think I'd be listening to it because you could get – if there isn't a huge gap between maybe two, three, four of those blockers – they could get one of those guys a handful of picks later or even uh, towards the back end of the top 10. So I think a trade is definitely something to keep a watch out for there. And, uh, you know, we texted a little bit, too, when we were setting up this interview. I think a dark horse for the Giants at number four could be Derek Brown, the defensive lineman from Auburn. I think he kind of fits what the Giants look for. He's a size speed prospect, outstanding character uh, on and off the field. He's scheme diverse. He can play nose tackle. He can play a three technique. He can play in a four three. He can play in a three four. You've heard some comparisons to Richard Seymour. So I think he would be a dark horse if they didn't go offensive tackle with that first pick. But I definitely think a blocker is uh, the, the heavy favorite. And you know how I reacted when you mentioned Derek Brown as we were texting back and forth. If if the Giants take Derek Brown, I, I said basically, you know, Gettleman might as well not come out of his office ever again <laughs> with another defensive tackle. But but I get where you're coming from on that one. Yeah, and and, uh, and like I said too, though I, I think Dave Gettleman's shown that he doesn't necessarily care what the fan base wants him to do. But uh, I agree, it wouldn't be the most obvious pick for them. But but you can make a strong case just from a, a value perspective. Uh, like I said, he's a type of player the Giants have tended to target over the years, and and he's worthy of the number four overall pick. I think he's a better prospect than Quinnen Williams was, who went third overall a year ago. Uh, and and I think Derek Brown is clearly one of the top handful of players in this entire draft. So, but like I said, I, I think that's more of a dark horse. I, I clearly think an offensive tackle is the heavy favorite for the Giants. It's just going to come down to which of those three or four options they like the best. And why for you at this point, why for you is Thomas uh, offensive tackle one at this point? 
I gave him the slight edge just because I feel that he's the most obvious left tackle prospect. Uh, Tristan Wirfs played right tackle in college, played a little left tackle, but he was more of a natural right tackle. Uh, same for Jedrick Wills. He played right tackle in college. And Mekhi Becton, he played left tackle, uh, but you hear comparisons to Trent Brown. He's just a massive physical specimen. He's 6'7", 360-some pounds, and, and uncanny movement skills and feet for a guy that size, but uh, I, I, not necessarily a prototypical left tackle. So so that's why I gave Thomas a slight uh, edge there, but um, it, 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 it's not seldom yet. I think there's still a lot. There's a lack of consensus at, among those top four, and depending on who you talk to, uh, you might get a different answer. So I think that's one of those situations where the pre-draft process is going to have to settle uh, who was number one. But I went with Thomas just because he's the most obvious fit at left tackle. But but worse, uh, all three of the other guys, Wirfs, uh, Wills, and Becton, all are capable of playing left tackle as well. All right. So you know you mentioned the the trade down scenario, and obviously I think Miami drafts after the Giants the Chargers are in there and then the Panthers are in there all three of those teams could be in the quarterback market obviously there's an opportunity or possibility you know for somebody maybe to move up to three you know where where Detroit is if they you know if they want you know they want Tua Tagovailoa I guess the question comes down to for me and I know you were at the Senior Bowl recently in Mobile. Do you think that Justin Herbert showed enough in his career and enough in Mobile? Could you justify or could you see a team trying to jump up into that top five, you know, if Herbert's the third quarterback, you know, maybe to make sure that they get him? Yeah, I think so. And uh, there, there are scenarios where Herbert comes off the board ahead of, of, of Tua and I mean, you've even heard Joe Burrow. I mean, I don't think that's going to happen, but the Bengals coach Justin Herbert at the senior bowl. And if Joe Burrow decides, Hey, maybe I don't want to play for the Bengals. It, it, I've seen crazier things happen on draft day than Justin Herbert going number one. So uh, I definitely think there's a very good chance. Herbert goes in that top five to six overall, and maybe somebody trades up for him. And, and he, he looked the re- like the real deal down at the senior bowl. And, and that was a perfect venue for him because the flaws and question marks that have people have about him, weren't necessarily going to be on display down there, whether it be his ability to kind of put a team on his shoulders and, and, and stuff like that. But when it comes to just looking the part, spinning the ball and, and uh, he, he, he looked like a, a star NFL quarterback. So I don't think he gets past the, both the dolphins at five and the chargers at six. I, I think they're both going to be in the market for quarterbacks. And I think both are going to have to be looking to, to trade up if they want to make sure they get their guy. So uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how those teams evaluate the quarterbacks, which guy is the apple of their eye. And, uh, and, and then who knows, maybe there even some wild happens. There's some teams outside the top 10 who could potentially be looking for a signal caller. You look at uh, the Raiders at 12. I don't think they're attached at the hip to Derek Carr. I think the Colts at 13, maybe they could be in the market for a quarterback. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 14. You think back a couple years ago or a few years ago now, I guess it would be uh, where the, the Rams traded up from outside the top 10 to get Jared Goff. The Eagles did the same thing with Carson Wentz. I wouldn't say that's likely, but it's, it's something to maybe keep an eye on. But but certainly I think the Dolphins at five and the Chargers at six are, are the two quarterback needy teams that it, it would be worth them exploring moving up a handful of picks to make sure they get their guy. 
Yeah, I think this could be you know, this could be kind of the perfect storm for the Giants if they can move down, even if it's just a pick or two. If there's that much of a of a real debate when it comes to at least say the top three offensive tackles, then uh, you know if you can move down a pick or two, you may still get your choice of of those three guys. It's something Dave Gettleman's never done in either Carolina or New York, but but this really could shape up as kind of the perfect storm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and in a scenario like that, where, like you said, you don't want to be moving down maybe a pick or two, you're not going to get a huge return. But, hey, if you can pick up a third-round pick, I mean, that's that's a, a, a starter for you, a cheap starter. So, uh, And if you're the Miami Dolphins, if that's what it takes to make sure you get the quarterback you've had your eyes on, then with all the extra draft picks they have, I think that's a small price to pay. So, uh, I definitely think that's a uh, that's going to be an option for for both the Dolphins and the Chargers. And the, the question is, is is, is there going to be is will the Lions beat them to the punch? Right, you know, and th- and that's why I ask if if there would be a team that would be willing to move up for Justin Herbert. But let's uh, let's move on, Scott. Let's talk about uh, let's talk a little bit about another player that has been talked about a lot at number four. And that would be probably the guy that would be the best defensive player on the board, most likely, you know, other than, as you mentioned, Derek Brown, the guy that uh, that people seem to be getting attached to as as Giants fans is Isaiah Simmons, you know, the, the linebacker. And I don't do you feel like he's a player who could go at four whose whose talent, you know, justifies, you know, being a top five pick? I feel like that would be a little bit early, but as you said, he's a guy with a lot of buzz right now, and a lot, especially the draft in the community, really likes Isaiah Simmons. A lot of teams' fan bases are hoping they land him, uh, and there's a lot to like. I mean, he's kind of a, a unicorn. You don't see prospects like Isaiah Simmons come along, and, and and that's why he's so hard to come up with a comparison for. And you look at the positions he lined up for with Clown this past year. It's incredible. I mean, he was played inside and outside linebacker. He played safety. He played outside corner. He played nickel corner. He rushed off the edge. Uh, really is that, that jack of all trades that, that, and that, that matchup fixer that teams are looking for in defense in these days. Uh, so he's going to be a top 10. I don't think there's a top 10 pick. I don't think there's any question about that. Now for the giants, is he a giants type of draft pick? I don't necessarily see that. He's not the type of player uh, especially at the, and at the position that the Giants have tended to make a huge investment on. Uh, I mean, the Giants are kind of a size-speed team. that They look for help in the trenches at the premium position. So I guess that would surprise me if they went with Isaiah Simmons there. I think they're going to be looking for the trenches to uh, for one of uh, Dave Gelman's hog mollies. Uh, but, but you can make an argument for Isaiah Simmons value-wise as early as four. I think that would be the high end of his range, but... Uh, definitely a popular prospect, and he's not getting all the top 10. All right, Scott, I want to take a quick break here for a word from our sponsors. We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit about uh, about Joe Judge, the Giants' new head coach, and about some possibilities for the Giants a little bit farther down in the draft. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, 
It's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. All right, Giants fans, Ed Valentine back here on the Valentine's Views podcast, and I'm talking to Scott Wright of Draft Countdown as we look forward to the 2020 NFL Draft. And, Scott, before the break, we were discussing the Giants, and you were talking about their tendencies and and what they like and the fact that they're historically size, speed, you know, and that I guess, you know, there are – folks out there that consider the Giants to be old-fashioned in the way that they they look at the draft and and do a a lot of things and I guess my question is this for you you know as a draft analyst as a guy who's trying to peg the first round and and peg the top hundred guys as 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 best as you can the Giants are have a new head coach Joe Judge from from New England obviously they still have Dave Gettleman as general manager but does does the presence of Judge, especially having come from New England, does that sort of make them, at least for you, a little bit unpredictable? Honestly, no. <laughs> and, and maybe it will turn out to be a little bit of a wild card with him in the, in the equation, but uh, I kind of file that under I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, I mean, with, like you said, with Gettleman and the Giants are an old school organization and not necessarily that there's anything wrong with that. It's been effective for a long time. They've won championships with it, but uh, I'm going to have to see them change that philosophy and that mindset before uh, I'd probably go out on that limb. And, you know, last year at this time, I was telling Giants fans, get ready for Daniel Jones, prepare yourself because he is a Giants type of player and he's the type of quarterback they're going to like. And sure enough, that's who they wound up taking at six overall. And uh, so you can kind of, the Giants are one of those teams where it's easier to identify the type of prospects they look for. And, uh, and, and even though they do have a a new head coach and and judge, I just don't see him having the type of pull to, to come in at least not right away to, to really dramatically overhaul the the philosophy that that organization's had for so long. And uh, it, it could, I, you know, like I said, you can make an argument that it needs some refreshing. You can make an argument that, hey, it's time tested and it's worked for a long time. But uh, one way or another, I think they're going to stick with it for another year. And, and if it changes, if this draft class uh, is different than what we're accustomed to seeing from them, then I'll definitely factor that in. But but going forward for this draft class, I'll probably err on the side of, of their history and, and, and what they've done in the past. Man, Scott, I thought we were friends. All that nice buildup <laughs> and you shut me right down. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I'd, I'd like to say, yeah, they're going to go crazy. They're going to do something completely different, and it's a new era. But um, you know, it's 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 one of those things. Like a, a a big big ship in the sea turns slowly, and and even if the Giants do want to make that type of change organizationally, uh, it's not something that's going to happen in one class. It's going to take a number of years, I think, to implement. Yeah, before we, you know, before we, there's a couple of other things I want to talk to you about in this draft class. Just Look back at the last couple of of Dave Gettleman draft classes. You know, just kind of go back and think about what they've done. And would you, you know, if you put yourself in the shoes of of a Giants fan, would you feel good about what they've accomplished? You know, I I know that people are still going to argue forever and ever about the positional value of taking Saquon Barkley number two overall, but... 
overall, when you look at these the two draft classes, do you feel like they've begun to to put together or to put a a pretty good core in place to go forward with? I mean, there's definitely been some positives, no question about that. I mean, Saquon Barkley's a heck of a young player, although I will say it's, it's going to be almost time to pay him. You, now, now you've already invested that number two overall pick. Now you're going to have to make him probably the highest paid running back in the history of the NFL pretty soon and and devote a huge portion of your salary cap. But they've got some good players. I mean, I really like the Dexter Lawrence pick. I was a big fan of the Will Hernandez pick. They've got some players, but honestly, what it's all going to come down to is Daniel Jones. <laughs> if Daniel Jones is above average NFL quarterback, they are on the right path, and, and they're closer to, to being a contender than not. If Daniel Jones doesn't work out, uh, they're, 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 they haven't even begun the next rebuild yet. So, And they might be five, six, seven years away. So uh, really it all, all rests on Daniel Jones' shoulders, and that's why they need to do everything they can in both the offseason and the, uh, in free agency and in the draft to support Daniel Jones because everything's really riding on his shoulders, in my opinion. Oh, I would agree with that, Scott. And that's why, you know, circling back to the first round conversation and and you mentioned Barkley as well. That's why I think it's just so critical for them to get the offensive tackles right and and not to pass on one if they have an opportunity this time around. Yeah, no question. And and it's a situation where they're going to be in a good spot where they're picking. It's where value and need should intersect for the Giants uh whichever one of those tackles they like the best any one of them would be a really good pick for them and and help them accomplish what they need to do you know if for for example a team like the Jacksonville Jaguars they're picking number nine overall I believe and it's kind of no man's land for them for the positions where they need help Uh, uh, first and foremost the the Jaguars need a cornerback but Jeff Akuda is going to be off the board by number nine and the next guy would be a reach so they they could use a tight end. There isn't a tight end worth taking that early. So the Jaguars have a little bit of a conundrum there where their most glaring needs don't match up with the talent and the value that's going to be on the board. Not the case for the Giants. There's going to be two, three, if not four legitimate upper echelon blockers there for them to choose from. And and uh, and they get they, they get to do the fun part is just sit back and figure out which guy they like the best because we know quarterbacks going one. We know that a uh, that Chase Young is going to, and then the Lions aren't going to take a, a blocker. So they should have their pick of the litter. There you go. So we know, obviously, we get so focused on the first round. But, you know, the draft is a lot more than the first round. And a lot of success or failure of an individual draft class can be determined by day two, can be determined by finding that diamond in the rough like the Giants did last year, you know, when they found Darius Slayton in the fifth round. And and kind of where I want to start in that discussion is the Giants on Friday made a really interesting hire as defensive line coach. They hired Sean Spencer out of Penn State, a guy who's never coached in the NFL guy who goes by the nickname Coach Chaos, and I've kind of watched some of the YouTube clips, and and I get it. He's a, he's a little bit of a character. But that leads me to a discussion of day two pass rushers. And the one I kind of need to start with since the Giants just hired Sean Spencer is the kid out of Penn State, Yetter Matos Gross, I think is how you pronounce his name. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of winging that one, Scott. I'm just kind of I, I want to start there. 
Tell me what you think of him. Is he a guy who could be available to the Giants at 36, and would he be value there? And if he's not, give me some other guys. Yeah, you're pretty close in the name. Yeter Grossmatos is his name. Uh, a really intriguing prospect in this draft, and you can make an argument that he's a top half of the first round type of talent. Uh, a guy who definitely looks the part. Uh, he's a big, rangy athlete, but also very productive. Uh, it's not like he's just this workout warrior uh, who, who who just looks the part but hasn't translated into production on the field. Uh, the, the question is with him is he's a little rough around the edges. He's going to require a little development and patience, and there might be some off-the-field issues there that push him down the board a little bit too to the latter part of round one, maybe even into round two, but – Boy, if he's there in round two, that's a potential steal because uh, this this pass, this crop of pass rushers, there's a pretty big drop off after uh, Chase Young was going to go number two overall. And you can make an argument that Gross Matos is number two or number three in this draft. So to get a guy with that type of upside late in the first round, early in the second round, I think would, would be a coup. All right. So, are there any other? You said there's a a pretty big drop off, and it but and there's really there's edge rusher. You know, is is sort of a position of of need that I see for the Giants, and the other area that I see really that I look at anyway is is wide receiver. I mean, there's a lot of questions about the future for Sterling Shepard. Obviously, the Giants were able to draft Darius Slayton, but Golden Tate's getting a little bit older. The Giants could use one more one more weapon on the outside. I think just give me some other guys, you know, who could be at those two positions: edge, maybe, um, you know, maybe wide receiver, and and let's even throw uh, probably center into the mix. Just give me some, you know, give me some guys who could be in the mix. Uh, in uh, in day two, yeah, for day two, uh, a guy to keep an eye on who might be able to be had at a value point in the draft on day two is Julian Aquara from Notre Dame. Uh, and Giants fans might be familiar with him because his brother Romeo played for them for uh, a year or two. Uh, and coming into the year, uh, Julian Aquara was pro- pro- projected to be, if not a late first round pick, or early to mid second rounder. His stock is slipping a little bit now because he got off to a slow start as a senior and then he had a season-ending injury with a broken leg. So he's probably going to be there well into round two. Maybe even you can get him in round three. But there again, uh, a really good, rangy athlete. And and uh, uh, if he's there in round three, that's going to be a terrific value. So that's one name on day two I would look at from the edge perspective. Uh, you mentioned center, and you know it's not the sexiest position to talk about, but this is actually a really deep crop of centers. Uh, on average, there's uh, only seven centers drafted per year. I think you can make a case for seven or eight centers worthy of being a top five-round pick this year. So it, it's an above-average class at that position. Uh, and and uh, on the second day of the draft, I think names you'd be looking at would be Tyler Biotish from Wisconsin, uh, Lloyd Cushenberry from LSU, who I was really impressed with down at the Senior Bowl, uh, and Cesar Ruiz from Michigan. Uh, then if you're looking a little further down, maybe early day three, Jake Hansen from Oregon, and Matt Hennessy from Temple. That's a name to keep an eye on. Uh, uh, another guy who was at the Senior Bowl and uh, a really good technician in the middle there. So so this is a really good crop of centers. You're going to be able to get a starting caliber pivot uh, well into day three, I believe. And then wide receiver, I agree with you. I think that's an area that the Giants need to to bring in some help at and uh, it's not only the deepest position in this draft, it's a historically deep 
position. Uh, this is going to be one of the, go down as one of the best wide receiver classes we've seen in a long, long time. And it's the type of year where you're going to get a second round talent in the fourth round, and you're going to get a third round talent in the fifth round. And, and it's really, there's there's something for everybody. It really just comes down to what type of player you're looking for. And I think with Darius Slayton in the fold, that they they kind of have that speedy vertical threat. Uh, a name that I would that that I'm a fan of that uh, another Notre Dame player actually Chase Claypool from Notre Dame. Uh, to me, he's one of the more underrated prospects in this draft, and he started to get a little buzz down at the Senior Bowl. And uh, big physical wide receiver, I think he's a lot faster than people give him credit for. Uh, I think he's a better prospect than Miles Boykin was a year ago. He was a third rounder. And and the other thing about Claypool is if he never gives you anything as a wide receiver, he can have a long career in the NFL just as a special teamer because he is an elite gunner prospect. But but honestly, I, I could give you a, a dozen names at wide receiver that, that I think would be intriguing. Denzel Mims from Baylor, uh, Antonio Gandy-Golden from Liberty, uh, Courtney Davis from Texas A&M. Jawan Jennings from Tennessee, and these are all guys you're going to be able to get third, fourth, fifth round. Uh, so, so th- this is a great crop of wideouts, and uh, and I kind of wonder if teams are going to wait a little bit to take advantage of that depth because they know they can get a, a really good player at the position later on. But I think that should be a, a relatively early round priority for the Giants. Uh, somewhere maybe as early as the second or third round, but I definitely think they need to bring another pass catcher there again. Going back to supporting Daniel Jones, get that blocker early, then you got to give him some weapons to throw to. Sounds like a plan to me, Scott. Can we uh, can we maybe uh, you know email your plan to to Dave Gettleman or uh, or maybe get you hired as assistant GM or something like that? We can try. I don't know if he'll listen, but uh, I, I'm I'm definitely open to throw my advice out there for him. <laughs> he, he he might listen as long as whatever proposal we put in front of him doesn't use the word analytics. Well, he I, he's a big analytics guy now. He hired a couple guys. He's he's all into the numbers now. I heard. <laughs> oh, you know, I I don't know what to make of 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 Dave and and analytics and and all of that. What I do know is that I think, you know, my perspective on all of that is that you you have to put it all in a hopper. It can't be all analytics. It can't be all film study. You know, it has to. You have to use all the tools. I suppose. I, I totally agree. And, and I honestly, I understand where Gettleman's coming from. And uh, I mean, I, I'm not a big math guy either, to be honest. And, and but it, it'd be short sighted just to completely rule it out. Like you said, it, it can't be the be all and end all. But but it, it should be a factor if, if there's something that can can help you uh, do it a little better in evaluating prospects. You'd be crazy not to use it. But I always go back to the end of the day. I still haven't seen the formula. You can just plug in a bunch of numbers and that's going to tell you who's going to be a good player. I wish it was out there because it'll certainly make things a lot easier. But, you know, I, I still think scouting is, is much more of an art than a science. But at the same time, uh, like I say, a, a, any tool that's out there to, to help you get better at your job, you got to take advantage of it. And, and it looks like the Giants are at least going to start to, to look in that direction and, and, uh, and consider it, which is a step forward. All I know for sure, Scott, is that over the years I have I have come to to realize that that when when you and I talk about the Giants and and you sort of lead me in a certain direction, that uh, that I should listen. So uh, so so I'll take that for take that for what it is. I mean, you had the Daniel Jones pick pegged, you know, pretty closely, and. And and you and I happen to agree on the offensive line this year, so that that makes it a little easier for me to uh, 
to to go along with you this time around. But I'm sure that uh, I'm sure this won't be the only time you and I talk before before the draft in April. And I always appreciate your opinion. Why don't you just uh, let people know? You know, before I let you go, let them know where they can find all of your work, uh, so that uh, so that they can uh, they can keep tabs and and make sure that uh, that they know what you're thinking as we get to the draft. Yeah, absolutely. Draftcountdown.com. Everything on the site is 100% free. You can check out my latest mock draft. I'm going through and revamping the rankings to take into account what happened uh, on the All-Star circuit. Uh, you can check out all my reports from down at the Senior Bowl. And uh, one thing I'll tell you for Giants fans, one name to keep in the back of your mind, Auburn defensive lineman Derek Brown. He, that's one of those guys I just feel like is a Giants type of guy. So if they weren't going to go with the blocker with that first pick, I think Derek Brown would probably be the alternative that I'd uh, keep an eye on. Oh, I don't know about that. I, I, I'll, I'll, like I said, I, you know, I, I'm gonna go and and say that you, you've pegged the Giants right so many times, but, uh, but I just, I, I just can't imagine the reaction if they go with another hand in the dirt you know, defensive lineman, you know, with, with their first pick in the draft. I just, I, I just, I, I'm not even sure I want to see the headlines. <laughs> Would the reaction be better or worse than when they took Daniel Jones sixth overall? Ah, uh, <laughs> do I have to answer <laughs> that question, Scott? But this is my show. You can't be asking me questions. No, no, no. I'm not, I refuse to answer that on the grounds that this is my show. <laughs> Hopefully it's something you won't have to deal with, right? I, I certainly hope so. All right, Scott, thank you very, very much. We'll talk to you again. Like I said, always value your opinion. Folks, make sure you check out Scott's work. All right, thanks a lot, Scott. My pleasure. Anytime, Ed. All right, Giants fans, our thanks to Scott Wright for spending some time with us, for dropping some knowledge on us. I have to tell you, uh, you know, the, uh, the the Derek Brown talk from, from Scott scares me a little bit, not because Brown's not a wonderful player, but uh, a- as you could tell from my discussion with Scott, I just, I, I can't imagine the reaction if, uh, if Dave Gettleman were to take another big defensive tackle, you know, with, with the fourth overall pick in the draft, you know, considering some of the other Giants needs, the guy might be might be a wonderful player but I just can't imagine the uh, the outpouring of anger that would probably come from Giants fans if that were to happen so uh so you know we'll we'll see what happens we'll study the draft a whole lot more but I personally think that's kind of uh that's kind of a a, a far-fetched scenario for the Giants but Scott knows more about the draft than I do and we'll and we'll see what happens as always, Giants fans, we thank you for listening. We remind you to please subscribe to Big Blue View Radio on all of your favorite podcast applications. Check out the website where we're profiling players every day, where we'll be breaking down uh, you know, potential free agent signings for the Giants throughout the month of February. We'll be talking more about the, the Giants coaching staff as uh, as the Giants get ready to make all of that news official, we you know we pretty much know who it's going to be at this point. But the Giants have only made official the coordinator signings, so we'll be awaiting an official announcement from the Giants on uh, on those guys. And and throughout the off season, we'll be awaiting an opportunity to meet some of those gentlemen. So uh, we look forward to that. 
As always, Giants fans, thank you, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.